Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson, scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years, here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step to 53342. New York, call the 24-7 Hope Line at 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Ruse Kitchen. I'm your host, Jason Madison, and joined always by my co-hosts, Bethany Anderson and Anthony Mays. What's up, guys? What's good? Yo, let's cook it up. Episode six, A Thousand Little Trees of Blood. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> Don't know. Would you guys rather have a thousand little trees of blood or one big tree of blood? <laughs> yes, maybe, maybe one big tree. What isn't there a Tim Burton movie where the, there's a, a Sleepy Hollow, right? Mm. There's, a tree, there's a tree that the headless horseman's head is buried under, and uh, Christopher Walken 
What the fuck? I'm yeah. sorry. There's a lot of movies I haven't seen. So because I'm I'm a punk. I'm sorry. I, I scare easily. Oh, so. yeah. Sleepy Hollow is actually one of my favorite Tim Burton movies. And uh, it's the perfect, like, kind of PG-13, like, it'll slightly scare you, but it's not really, really scary. It's like <laughs> a cute, scary, but it's really dope. But yeah, there's a tree that's, I guess, filled with blood in the in the movie. But yeah, that's neither here nor there. We have an episode where we have no dicks. No dicks. We have been dick-free for two weeks. <laughs> I know. We need to put up that sign where it's like zero days since an accident. <laughs> <laughs> like we have two episodes since HBO Dick. Thank you guys. Don't uh, put that out there, B. You know it's <laughs> gonna come back with a vengeance in the final two episodes of the season. Now, now that right. you put that out there in the world, that's right. We got to go out with a bang. We, mm. we have plenty of talk about Rue's diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> Seems to be a comfortable family topic at you know at dinner. So B, you know, one of your predictions is semi came true. We got Ali in the house. He's he's hey. talking to moms, you know. Hey. <laughs> yeah. I love to see it. Yeah. You know, I was really happy that Rue decided that she needed to apologize. Um, yes. And I'm glad that she didn't wait. Like she said, she was, you know, going to go to rehab and then like talk to her mom and sister or whatever, that she felt a sense of urgency when it came to Ali. I really appreciated that because he really gives a fuck about her and he's really been holding her accountable. He sees straight through her bullshit. So yeah, circle back, apologize to that man. And he was so cool about it. But it, I laughed out loud when he showed up and said, <laughs> it looked like a cat. <laughs> off you up. Yeah. yeah. No, he's the, I mean, he's the perfect figure in her life right now to help her, you know, get back to some elements of normalcy. And he's kind of like, it felt like he was like a doctor, like kind of diagnosing everybody in the family and kind of giving them a little medicine, you know, for yeah. whatever was ailing all of them. Um, you know, he came in with the with the kind kindness and the laughter and kind of a jovial attitude. Quickly was like, okay, let me holler at Gia real quick. You know, let me let me get everyone out the kitchen. What y'all <laughs> yeah. stank asses? Yeah. So yeah, so that was dope. And uh, I actually had a question about the beginning of the episode. So I w- before I ask the question, I want to point out too when he was having when she calls him. I love that. When she was trying to apologize, he left a lot of space for her to do that. Like, Mm -hmm. it was quiet for a second. He didn't interrupt while, you know, she was trying to figure out her way to say it. He let that air, you know, be there in the conversation. And I thought that was great because if you've gotten into arguments with people, you know, sometimes if you talk in that middle space, it won't allow them to get off what they're trying to get off. So, yeah, what was up with the, the Jolly Rancher? I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was just a symbolic item that showed that she had grown in that 15-minute cold open. Right. That before, she couldn't open the Jolly Rancher. And it wasn't that it was tough packaging. It was that she was so burdened with guilt to the people that she had wronged that she mm-hmm. needed to clear that a little bit so she could have the finger dexterity to pry open that watermelon <laughs> Jolly Rancher. Best flavor, by the way. Yeah. Watermelon. She got oh, I like green apple, but she she got a she got a long piece of snot there for us. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, Zen, the Zendaya acting reel continued. Start this episode. If you tack that on to the last episode, it's just another 
version of Rue that we're seeing. So good. So good on the phone call. Yeah. Which is hard to do when you don't see the other person, you know, but she was awesome to start this episode off. She uh, was giving us Viola Davis with the snot. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) The best snot award goes to. (laughs) Yeah. So then we got Ali in there cooking with Gia, um, which was dope. You know, he was he was basically trying to take her temperature and then also like give her just another permission. Yeah, permission to feel, right? Yeah. And and be like, hey, it's okay if she's mad, you know, like it's it's okay. Like you gotta feel those feelings. You can't you can't hide them, you can't lie about them, you know. That's that's the road to recovery for everybody. You know, we're y'all are all in this. So yeah, I thought that was dope. And obviously to get uh, a scene with Storm where she's not explicitly crying the whole time. <laughs> yeah. I like the line when Ruth says, I don't even know what's going on with you. And it felt really like she was talking to us. It's like Gia's just been marginalized as this character who reacts to Rue and she's got her own whole life going on. Yeah, she does. I really appreciated how Ali, you know, even told, you know, Rue's mom, Leslie, like, hey, love on your baby girl, please. Like she needs that. Every All of her attention has been on Rue and this recovery and the relapse and, you know, making sure she's clean. It's just like, no, you have another teenage girl in your house that needs mommy's love as well. Definitely. You know, this whole episode really had a theme for me. And Mm -hmm. the theme overall for me was motherhood. We got to tap in with a lot of the moms on this show. We got got Leslie. We got Marsha, Nate's mom. Mm -hmm. We got more Sue. Thank Mm -hmm. God. You know, she was hilarious this episode. (laughs) She was hilarious. But it, it really felt like we're tapping in with the mothers and how they're affected by their teenagers. And, you know... (laughs) <laughs> the the drama that they bring to their lives. And we if the some. mom isn't available, we got Minka Kelly in a <laughs> yeah, pool she's a mom. Right. champagne. Yeah. It, yeah. Yep, exactly. We got all the mamas. Yeah. Shout out to the mamas. And even Rue, uh, I'm sorry, not Rue, but Zendaya, she posted on Super Bowl Sunday pretty much like shout out to all the moms. And I had no idea, like, you know, we were about to really kind of have a moment with Leslie and all the mommies on this show, so... Yeah, she she knew what was about to happen. But this episode was definitely at a way different speed than the last episode. I mean, we changed gears drastically. You yeah. know, we were at such a breakneck, frenetic pace in, in in the last episode. And this episode was a lot slower, a lot more dramatic in terms of the pacing and yeah, just the the emotions that they wanted to convey. And so I honestly I felt like not as much happened, um, but there was still a significant amount of things that happened. You know, rewatching it today, I was like, oh, no, they they touched on a lot of topics. You know, I I guess because I was anticipating Cassie, Maddie showdown. And, you know, in the last episode, we never got the resolution of what happened when she they run up the room past Rue. And- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like what you <laughs> yeah. said last week about wishing that we had started there. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely pushed that forward and isolated all three of them for the majority of the episode yeah. to just show us how heavy it is and how it's weighing on all of them. Except for Nate. Nate seems fine. <laughs> yeah, he's all right. You know, that man, the more they go into Nate, obviously he's like the most hateable character, but it's just like he's not. It seems like none of them, I guess it's part of being a teenager. None of them are very self-aware. 
you know, and there's this thing where he has a conversation with his mom and she's like, yeah, you're just an angry person. And he's like, no, I was. No, <laughs> I'm, just mad I'm angry at my, at my dad, mom. <laughs> I'm not angry at the world. Yeah. And he proceeds <laughs> specific. To like, Gets so mad that that she thinks he's gonna choke her, which it felt like he was about to. Oh man, Nate is. This was a big back on his bullshit episode for Nate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He is such an antagonist to just about everybody that we know. And season one was major Patrick Bateman, American Psycho vibes, where he projects this perfect veneer of handsome man you know that like he's a football player and he's the prom king essentially but underneath there lies just this broken mental (laughs) psycho (laughs) like that's all there is to it and he did all the things in this one man he did it all yeah no this was this was definitely his episode to shine or, you know, not shine, I guess. Um, Glint. I would say he's like a knife <laughs> glinting in the darkness, you know, just catching oh. the light. But yeah, we go to, we go Literally. to the, the cow's piss is still on the floor. <sighs> yeah. Who cleaned the it decision up? to show up? us this yeah. is absurd. Yeah. It's been at least 12 hours. Mom is, you know, partying. She's but got she- the house to herself. She cooked the boys a full breakfast. She's dancing around, having a good time. Like, fuck this. I'm finally free. Couldn't but hit the foyer, piss. though. <laughs> Couldn't get over there. Get the mop out. Maybe just throw some paper towels down, store a towel down, anything. Yeah, I would think one of the boys it would be their responsibility. Maybe they're beefed out. So they're basically just all like, hey, I'm not going to do it. Are you going to do it? I'm yeah, like, I don't get the impression they do a lot of cleaning in their <laughs> yeah. regular time. But. That was disgusting. It was absolutely disgusting. Apparently, it's gone later because we do see the entryway again and there's no puddle anymore. So somebody got to it eventually, but that's too long for Piss to be sitting there, man. I was waiting on Cassie to be like, oh, it kind of stinks in here. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I was hoping she would reference it, but she didn't. Damn. I was going to say, too, for this episode, I guess because we get so many parents, these kids are so foul-mouthed around their parents. They cuss freely like sailors around their parents. Nate, you know, is the number one culprit. But Cassie, obviously Rue, when she's on, you know, the previous episodes when she's on her drug bender. But yeah, Nate's just letting the fucks fly. And I'm like, yo, does nobody say watch your mouth around me or anything? You're just all fucking just saying fuck. The (laughs) HBO family plan, Jason. Yeah. So (laughs) Uncensored. I guess that's cool. But yeah, Cat, I mean, not Cat. We'll get to Cat in a second, but. Yeah. Um, Will we? Do we have to? <laughs> Why don't we just skip her like the show did? The show does. Um, no, I mean, Nate's combo with his mom was interesting. You know, she's she kind of gives him a backstory, shed some light on when his darkness started to appear. She said around eight or nine. Uh, he was a sweet boy before that. And, um, and we have the flashback. There was something that happened with him and Cal, right? I can't remember specifically, but at that age is when he discovered that Cal was doing exactly. this stuff. Exactly. Yeah, he was he was able to go into his office and and find those discs and they show a very young Nate understanding like how he had his discs color coded and whenever he would hear his dad pull up, he made sure, you know, he rushed to put everything back. Now, when did Cal find out that Nate was privy to, uh, to everything? I'm not sure, but clearly, you know, Cal came to the realization like, okay, he, he knows 
he knows what's up and my shit has fucked him up. And Nate thought he was doing a great job of keeping this under wraps, but what he was actually doing was in the process of keeping this under wraps, he stopped being a kid and mm-hmm. stopped enjoying life. <laughs> it sounds yeah. like and just became yeah. junior junior Patrick Bateman at the age of eight years old. Right, which I guess is another through line for most of the characters that their dads have all fucked them up in some way, right? Mm. Uh, Cassie. Yeah, that thing that Cassie said was so wild. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, <laughs> and I think her and Nate are in a battle for which character I like the least, you know? Uh, <laughs> she, I mean, she's just a terrible person, much like her, uh, her lover. And yeah, comparing Rue's dad dying to her dad leaving is just such like i don't even know the word for it but it's like yeah your dad's not around that's awful but at some point in your life like you could probably see him again or you know like he's still alive that has nothing on losing a parent like and trying to compare your situation with hers and using it to basically show that she's a worse person than you is like just awful Cassie's just looking for any foothold she can find to not reckon with the fact that she is being an awful, awful person. <laughs> yeah. And her arguments are making her more awful. Like, yeah. like, like, what do you mean? They weren't in a relationship when they looked up. <laughs> and that, and that's, the, okay, so, so that's, the, that's the writing part about the show that bothers me. And I mean, it happens in a lot of stuff where it's just like, why won't anybody say the obvious thing? Like, it doesn't matter whether or not they were together. That's your best friend. That's her ex. You know that she's still in love with him. Even if she wasn't, that's your best friend's ex. Like, and you thought it was cool to do that behind her back. And you're looking for every excuse to make it sound like it's cool. Like, it's not cool. She fucked up with the whole timeline of it all. Like trying to make this look like it was okay because, oh, well, they were broken up, but I don't remember when this happened. Like, girl, just cut the bullshit. Just say, you know what? I fucked up. I fucked up. And I'm in love with this weirdo ass guy. I fucked up. It's okay. But, you know, like you said, these are kids. They're not aware. She's used to being able to pull the victim card and being okay, you know, and being consoled and like, but that doesn't work here, girl. You fucked up. Mm. You're a bad friend. And it makes you look like a really bad person. I love how Suze hid the knives. <laughs> that was the first thing she did. Yeah, Lexi. In the bushes, okay? Get the and, knives out of this house. And then there's the payoff when Cassie's trying to do it with the corkscrew. <laughs> She's like, yeah. see? Yeah, I told you. I told you. <laughs> corkscrew's not going to get it done. Yeah. That and the she needs an exorcism line had me had me rolling. Yes. That, was, that was fantastic. <laughs> And I, I love the part with with, uh, with the corkscrew where Lexi comes in and she basically like checks her and they have like a sister moment. And it was like as sad and upset as Cassie wanted to be when she told her like, why are you in love with this dude who made fun of you for half your life? She just had to sit there and kind of take it like, damn, like. Yeah, real. take that on the chin, bitch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and what did Cassie say? Like, I didn't know him back then. And yeah. Lexi's like, you've known him. Forever. (laughs) You mean you didn't know his dick? Like, is that what you're talking about? Right. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes there's nothing better than to have a sibling and to really just call you on your bullshit, you know, 
And she tries to get back at Lexi um, by, you know, saying that Rue's terrible and she treats her like shit. But I don't really think that phased uh, Lexi at all. Can we talk about Maddie and uh, Minka for a mm. second? <laughs> yeah. What do you want to talk about? Okay. So I'm trying to figure out what's happening with their relationship with this dynamic. Great I was question. A bit, Great I question. I was a bit this taken was aback. Escalation here, B. Something's yeah. happening. Yeah. Something's happening. So, you know, Maddie's in the closet. She calls and says, Hey, I'm on my way back. I'll be back in 15. And then they pan to the clock. But when I rewatched it, it looks like there's a camera on the clock watching, mm. recording the closet. Mm. Mm. And then when, you know, we go to the scene where Maddie's in her bedroom confronting Nate, she has this big smile, you're on camera, little sticker in her room. And I'm like, okay, is this some sort of foreshadowing? Mm. Is she yeah. being recorded? Like, is the baby, the, the girl that she's babysitting for, Minka, is is she, you know, aware that she's in her closet trying on her clothes? Has she seen her body and seen her, you know, naked or whatever? And, you know, she comes home you know, offers her, you know, oh, we should get drunk. And it's like, she's underage. She's 18. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Also, where's the, where's the husband? Where's the dad? Conspicuously absent this time around. That's interesting. He was, he was on FaceTime with the baby. He was talking to the kid mm-hmm. over FaceTime while he was in the bathtub. That's the little bit we got from him, mm-hmm. but it kind of made it seem like they were separated. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, their their dynamic is is very intriguing, and she uh, seems to be very very friendly with Maddie. Maybe there's an ulterior motive there. Definitely think something's brewing. Got something on a, a low simmer. Come back to it in the season finale. But I did also like the conversation they had, right? With Minka yeah. given the perspective of like, yeah, I did that. Yep, that was me. Yeah. I was that girl. And Maddie's like, no, no, tell me you were the other one. No, I, I can't believe it. <laughs> but that puts in perfect perspective what we've been talking about. You need to learn these lessons yourself. You need to, you need to do it. That's the only way you're really going to reach this point that Minka's at, where she can talk about it frankly and own what she did, which Cassie is completely unwilling to do at this point. Yeah. And even in that conversation they were talking about, which I thought was really funny, how they were talking about how they like to fight. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I'm sure, you know, being young, you have so much going on in your life. Fighting is like such a huge, like stress relief. And a lot of people don't don't have a place to really put their negative energy into. So it seems like with Maddie, she likes to fight. And, you know, with old girl, you know, Minka's character, she's, you know, she's like, yeah, I get it. I like to fight, too. It feels great, but at some point you're going to grow out of this bullshit. Whatever you're going through right now is not going to last forever. Who cares if you're, you know, you're probably not going to ever be friends with this girl ever again. And that's okay. You move on and you learn more about yourself and you grow the fuck up. Yeah. I think this, uh, that part of the episode had one of my favorite musical cues ever uh, in the show. They had, uh, they played Sade's Sade. yes. which is like, one of those like album cut songs. I'm Sade is my favorite artist of all time. I always say like every year, like I pick a new song from her. That's like my favorite song of that, that time. 
And um, yeah, War of the Hearts is one of one of those songs. It's just I have the album on vinyl. It sounds so good. So the moment it came on, I was just like melting in my seat. Like, yes, it's such a dope setting. But at the same time, it was, it's like a romantic song. And then this mm, whole situation is, of is, them together. It is. I was is like, it? what's happening here? <laughs> yeah. Um, but but they also like it. You know, musically in the episode, they also, I mean, you know, they'll probably continue this for the duration of the show. But I really want them to pick some more age appropriate music. Like they picked uh, You're All I Need by Method Man and uh, Mary J. Blige. And it's like all of the song choices they use are for people like our age. And I'm like, I want you guys to put me on to So what are the kids listening to? Like, like, what would they actually listen to to describe this emotion that they're going through right now? You know, so you must you... have hated the Super Bowl halftime show. Is that what you're saying? There? <laughs> well, no, I, I enjoy the Super Bowl halftime show, but I also like real like I I don't know if you guys saw that tweet where it was like you know we were complaining about Bruce Springsteen whatever, and then we saw this, and ten seconds later, like oh I got it, we're the olds now, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, and yeah, like I'm I'm completely fine with that. Like I don't I don't hate that. Like we deserve our time, our day in the sun, just like everybody else. But you know. I- I do wonder what younger viewers of this show think of the music. I wonder how that lands with them. Because while I do think that there is a large group of people that are on the older side that watch this stuff, the Instagram follow numbers for every single cast member of Euphoria don't lie. Like it's got to be popular with younger generations as well. So I wonder if they're listening to this music and being like man this isn't what i like or i wonder if they're like oh this is interesting so that'd be interesting to know my goddaughter who just turned 18 in january um she lived with me in 2019 until the pandemic and you know that's 2019 is when the show aired Mm -hmm. i didn't know she was watching it until i you know saw her on facebook talking about it she's obsessed with the show. She loves everything about the show. Mm-hmm. Um, the conversations that her and her friends are having in the comments and like, I'm, I'm peeping. These kids are really into it, but I will say my goddaughter, her name is Kennedy. Shout out to her. She, um, <laughs> she loves old music. Mm-hmm. She loves right. anything from yeah. back in the day. She was born in 2004 and she loves everything that came before. I remember asking her like, who's your favorite rapper? And at, at the time she was like 13, 14. I asked her this question. And she said, Little Bow Wow. And I was uh, like, there's no way. But she was like, no, I love him because she's introduced to him on reality TV shows mm-hmm. and, you know, Instagram. So a lot of the, the music that's out there that we love, they're falling in love with it, too, because they have older sisters and, you know, brothers and family members who are into it. And they're just, you know, around it as well. But she loves it. She loves Euphoria so much. And, but it also helped our conversations change. I see, you know, that these kids are having different conversations than what we were having. And so it makes it a bit easier for me to talk to her and ask her certain questions. And she seems to be really comfortable. Like finally someone is asking me, like, we're having like a real conversation about me and what I like. And instead of someone saying, oh, you're too young to know this, you're too young to experience this, you know, when it comes to love and friendships and school, stress, anxiety, everything. So this show, I really feel like it has definitely landed on the high schoolers, for sure. Definitely. Cat. <laughs> Gaslighting cat. Man. Yeah. On the one hand, cat, number one, Maddie Confidant now. Isn't it funny how that happened? All right. Yeah. 
Right. Well, because she's kind of ran out of people <laughs> to to talk to, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that, that was... That other girl from last season, I guess, is gone. BB is just in and out. Like, I yeah. like having her on screen. She says some funny shit. I like her whole vibe. She's like a cool tomboy type chick. Somehow, and we don't get above BB on the depth chart, which yeah. is hard to do when you're barely on the team at all. So, all right. Well, Kat, <laughs> Kat, uh, yeah, she had one of, I guess I would say one of my favorite scenes in the, in the show, honestly, like, because that was an perfect exhibit of how to gaslight somebody. I mean, yes. she did that, like, that was just a, a masterclass, you know? It like, was like, I felt secondhand, like, gaslighting on my yeah. i was like damn like i, I, mean, I felt personally used, attacked yeah she used all the code words she said oh that's your experience i mean <laughs> you know she basically manipulated him into doing the breaking up so because she was too afraid to do it the whole exercise was just it was cringy but it was it was great too because i love you know the intelligence that they gave ethan and mm-hmm. his ability to sniff out her bullshit immediately. Wisdom beyond his years. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, immediately. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was cool. But uh, yeah, she used a fake terminal brain disorder. Like, to, bitch, what? <laughs> to try to uh, scare him out of the relationship. And he was having none of it. <laughs> yeah. So he left and she was kind of just sitting there in her embarrassment um for a second that was all we got a cat but a valuable lesson was learned don't don't gaslight my boy ethan <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's not here for your bullshit so yeah the, the whole thing is weird why did this take six episodes <laughs> to get, yeah to do this she did it terribly like you're 100 right she tried to gaslight him and manipulate him it didn't work so now she just embarrassed herself and cat you know, who is by no means perfect in any way. She was definitely one of the more interesting, profound characters from season one who was dealing with pretty mature level stuff with her online performing career. And now it's just, she just crumbles and lies and falls apart. And her boyfriend who, why has he even been putting up with this shit for as long as he has? It's like, well, uh, okay. I'm yeah, gonna, I think I think a lot, you now. a lot of times like people aren't sure the life that they're living is the one they want to live. So they choose to try to live an alternative life and they try to live that for as long as they as they possibly can and see if that, you know, because it's supposed to be like more wholesome or more accepted. And I think that's kind of the journey that she was on. And obviously, like when she's in her element and doing the cam stuff and having casual sex, like. She doesn't have to lie. She doesn't have to live a lie, you know, but it's it's not cool to, you know, all of her friends. She's still embarrassed. She's still living a lie in another way because she's not telling everybody about it. Right. She's she's hiding that part of herself from people. So I think her character is like, hey, maybe if I just try to, you know, go from a hoe to a housewife like that'll work out, you know. <laughs> Yeah, she can't live that side of the lie either, right? Where it's like, you're, now you're living a lie in public and that's harming other people because you're trying to rope other people into this lifestyle that's not really you. So I think, like, I kind of identify and understand, like, the, the struggle that she's going through because she doesn't know how to truly be her authentic self in public, you know, because she's still very young and doesn't 
isn't comfortable with people knowing that side of her. I feel like this season has really given us like a view into everyone's life to show us how everyone is flawed. Mm-hmm. Like they're showing everyone's flaws, even, you know, especially with Jules, like, you know, the first season we are introduced to this, you know, magnificent character and she's almost can really do no wrong. And we feel like super sorry for her. But at the same time, this season, we get a chance to see like, oh, she's she's not really a good friend. She's not really a good partner, even though she's going through, you know, whatever's going on in her life, you know, with the her mom's you know relationship with her mom or whatever. But Jules, we're getting to see like everybody on this show has some shit with them. For sure. And it's just kind of like a hierarchy of who's who's the worst. (laughs) Like levels Um, of fucked upness. Yeah, yeah, on any given day. And um, obviously Nate wants to finish him first uh, (laughs) as often as possible. Um, And yeah, in this episode, it really took the cake. So it was interesting that you brought up the smile you're on camera sign in Maddie's room because when I saw it, it made me think of like a liquor store or like a liquor store robbery. And of course, he's holding a gun sitting in the corner of her bedroom. Now, again, back to the writing aspect of this. How did he get in the room? The mom just let her in the, hey, she's not home, but you could sit in her room while she's not here. Oh, one <laughs> simple answer for you. Nate fucking Jacobs, all right? <laughs> yeah, so that, that was a little strange. He can do then, anything. He's a right. Batman villain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then, you know, the fact that the disc was in her purse, like, he didn't go through any of her stuff while, like, he was sitting, he just literally came into her room sat in the dark, put the gun on his lap. It was like, I'm just going to sit here and wait <laughs> until... Sit right in this angled mirror reflection so we can also get Maddie giving us little strip tease while I just sit here creepily in the corner. I mean, it's it's way over the top, but message was received. Like, they accomplished what they are trying to accomplish. It was creepy as fuck. This dude's yeah. insane. Be real, I didn't see Nate for like 15 seconds. Were I'm you like, spooked when you finally we... did? Yeah. yeah. Did you do jump, jump scare? I was like, there has to be a reason we're just like, we're just watching this girl undress. Like, what's going on? And I look and I'm like, oh shit, okay. All right, it's about to, you know, it's about to get a little serious here. But yeah, it was, instead <laughs> of strip tease. But <laughs> <laughs> it was. She's changing clothes. Because I think about like, TV versus real life. Like, how do people really come home and like disrobe? And the way that she took her jeans off, I'm like, yeah, that's that's me. <laughs> She's like stepping on it to get them off. And but yeah, so I was focused on that. And then I see Nate in the corner and I'm like, okay, this is some creepy shit. So this this scene was a bit triggering because I had a very crazy and psychotic ex-boyfriend who was abusive. And he would do little things. He would always, you know, threaten to kill himself, threaten to, you know, harm other people, whatever, because our relationship wasn't working. So that scene, yeah, just, it was triggering. Yeah, that was, um, I I was upset watching it, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and I just, I wanted her to call the police so bad. Like, I wanted her to, you know, have somebody like know about this and like throw him under the jail, you know, like for what he just did. Like I, the worst part to me by far is when he's like, no, no, like it wasn't loaded, Maddie. Like, what do you mean? And I knew it wasn't loaded when I saw it because, well, they've done this trick in multiple films, but the, uh, 
most famously in Malcolm X, but the way they shot the shot where he unloads the gun and he supposedly like slips a bullet back in there to play Russian roulette. Like I could see like, okay, he didn't actually put a bullet in there, but I mean, it's still incredibly scary. Nonetheless, you know, um, no matter what, just the, the casualness with which he approached her after being very much in character as scary dude, trying to kill himself. And then essentially saying, I was joking. I'm joking. Like it's just a joke. Relax. traumatic and and i get it like you know of course you want maddie to call the cops and to do you know something but when you're so afraid of what could possibly happen and all these you know you're like dr strange you're trying to figure out like what the outcome is going to be because it could be so many different things and you realize like either he's going to get locked up you might get in trouble for some shit this disc you know like shit could really just blow up so she just, you know, curls up in the bed in the fetal position, just cries herself to sleep because what do, what else can you really do in that moment? Yeah, I can totally sense and understand how that could be completely paralyzing for somebody, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was just probably one of the most traumatic things to take place on the show. And I, I, I really hope somebody, I hope we see Fez fuck up Nate or Ashtray, hit him with the butt of, butt of the gun like he did his dad. But yeah. Oh, the we- other thing I wanted to mention about the whole Nate, ride this episode when he's hanging out with the mom he's just slamming glasses of liquor oh, yeah. like he's don draper <laughs> yeah. yeah this is a fucking 17 18 year old kid yeah, yeah. he's pounding it he's he sober he's like dead sober the whole rest of the t- what the hell is going on and yeah. i hate i hate the way that he opens a bud heavy cap with his mouth that's yeah. a twist off yeah <laughs> it's a twist off nate yeah, they make it seem like he's so badass. He's the so way he, badass. Yeah, he's been doing that all season. He's, he's been getting under my skin, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> the drinking uh, and the driving is just so alarming to me on this entire this whole given. season. It's just everyone's drinking. Take it for granted in this show. Yeah, and, and the fact that, like, there's some guys that he's doing something good, right, with this disc. He goes into his dad's thing and his oh his dad leaves a note for him. You're the man of the house now, right? Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah, he's protecting the family business because <laughs> yeah. if his dad got out as a pedophile sex offender, he couldn't take over and the business would be tarnished. It's like, what? Wait, yeah, his that, dad's an architect? Like, he's going to be an architect for sure? Like, what are we talking about? Yeah, that that's what I'm saying. I, I agree with you, man. The whole logic behind his motivation was just it's so dumb and just misplaced like it, yeah it didn't work for me uh um, why under- does he go to jewel though jason I mean, why I mean, does he take it to jewel i mean i, th- I think they, i think they just narratively wanted to bring these two characters together and that's really why i get annoyed because it's like work harder at the writing <laughs> you know what i'm saying like you want these two characters to be in the same place and have a conversation Make it make sense in the story because what you just did is it's just whack. So you didn't like that? No. The, basically for the reasons that Mays just stated. It's like, do we know that he wants to be an architect? Do we know that he's like really gonna take over this business or that this would get out and affect like what? Like it just it, reminded me of season one when Nate used to just terrorize Jewel, just pull up to wherever she is and you have to come outside. You have to do yeah, this. No, and I, I liked it when he got there and the scene that they had, I thought was good. You know, it was just like their ways of getting us there. I did. I wasn't a fan of. 
Yeah, their scene that they had together was good. But before we get that, because it's like the end of the show, let's get back to Fexy, guys. Hey, that, the the lone bright spot in the show, right? The like, only thing that I enjoy anymore <laughs> is yeah, exactly. yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, it's just great. You know, there's just it's beautiful to see young kids hopeful in love. You know, they really like each other. It's, there's a air of innocence to you know what they got going on. They're sitting on the couch, they're watching the movie. There's no, you know, it's not a Netflix and chill. They're just there's two teens just hanging out, watching a movie from the 80s that we're sure that the creators love as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I actually was watching Stand By Me last night. I fell asleep on it. I didn't know that Jerry O'Connell was the fat kid. Oh, yeah. 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 Wow. Um, I don't know if you guys have been following Angus Cloud, who plays Fez on Twitter, but it's a great follow. He tweeted on Sunday. I'm going to have to beat Nate's ass again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The hand grab. Yeah. Stand by me. Fexy back. And he's just posting pictures of him behind the scenes. He's buying in. He gets it. He gets what the fans want. They're shipping it. Yeah. I'm going to allow it that we haven't touched it in, since she went to the liquor store that one time. And she's just at his place now. And they're just hanging out. Okay, fine. That's fine. Also, we're jumping around in time. It's like she's at the yeah. house with their hair in the curlers, and then mm. she's at Fez's house, and then she's it's just all over the place. But yes, the, he smoked a blunt. They watched Stand By Me and the adorable line Your play is anything like Stand By Me, it's gonna be good. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, and, no they, pressure. and they cried and they shared some tears together. Got yeah, they sang you. together. It was so yeah. cute. Yeah. Oh. Lexi looks cute, even with the rollers in her head. Yeah. Hashtag Fexy. So, yeah, so shout out to uh, Maude Apatow. Um, she's definitely growing as a character, and uh, it seems like the next episode will be centered on her play. Yeah, but can we talk about Faye? Did you guys sense that she yes. was a little bit, like, jealous of, like, seeing them, or she's just, like, in a weird... She just being... I think she's just in a drug haze. <laughs> like, she's just in a constant haze. But it's so weird because, like, I don't know. They make her incredibly sharp when she has her conversation with her boyfriend. Like, she immediately knows what he's up to. And it's like, for somebody who's, like, on heroin all the time, like, you got that pretty quickly. For someone who didn't know it was New Year's Eve, right. when we were first introduced to her, and yeah. it was like, my boyfriend doesn't tell me anything. And now you're picking up that he's cooperating with the police. It's like, yeah. okay, are, is this supposed to be showing that she's, like, sobering up or something like what's, what's maybe happening? that's that's kind of what it reads like but they haven't you know established yeah. that just because just because fez took the drugs out of the house that's enough but that's just that's just gonna bring another dead body back to life with mouse's dead body like that dude we haven't really yeah. had to deal with any of that fallout since the first episode of the season but yep of course the drug dealer is being watched by the police that'll add some drama yeah, so we don't want to see Fez go to jail. Um, no, we don't. Yeah, so he might. And have if to... he's not there for Lexi's play, oh. Mm, yeah, that's kind of the vibe we're getting, right? Yeah. yeah. So somebody might have to put a hot one in his boy. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying, anything to keep phrasing on that one. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like. Yeah, wanna... something's something's gonna go bad there. Faye's. I think Faye is 
essentially more loyal to Fez now is that's the real impression I got right. is he's coming to her to tell her to not do anything. And I think she's going to do something and it's going to cause a problem for him. Right. Yeah. That's so, you know, we got Cassie, you know, just going through her shit. She finally gets that call from Nate and changes her entire mood and attitude. She pulls her shit together. She packs up. She even makes her bed before she, <laughs> before she leaves like peace. I'm out. But like, is he like, did he ask her to stay the weekend or he's like, just come over here? Like, what are we, what are we doing? The way she looked at her mom, it's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not coming back. Like ever. Yeah. This is, this is it for me. So who, who knows? But the way that Nate, once again, very casually after ignoring hundreds of phone calls and text messages, hey, I'm gonna come pick you up in 10 minutes. I love you. Bye. <laughs> What? What? We're just side. We're just sidestepping everything that's happened to Cassie, and she's just, you know, as as she has been this entire time. As soon as like she gets the green light from her man, I know women like this. Everything's gone. <laughs> it is very accurate. Mm. She, women can absolutely hate their guy, come up with every reason why he's trash, and you know they're still like blowing him up and just want to have some sort of like communication with this person but it's like something about being ignored that just makes it even worse so at the end when he finally reaches out it's like some sort of validation to her like well I must not be that bad because Nate called and he still loves me and we're gonna try to figure this shit out even though once they got together she acted like she wanted to put up a fight but it's like girl this is exactly what you wanted right all she wanted to do was punch him in the chest a few times and then hold me baby yeah. <laughs> uh hold me tighter so yeah she's <laughs> they definitely got a uh a, a jody and yvette thing going right <laughs> um very toxic very extremely but you know we'll see we'll see the next turn obviously the, the play is going to play a big part in everybody's uh relationships it seems like but yeah the the episode kind of reaches i mean Obviously, the Maddie scene was huge, but it kind of reaches this crescendo with the Jules and Nate scene. You know, we see them together for the first time in a while, for the first time this season. Does he still have a crush on her? Or Yeah, they both said. <laughs> yeah. I meant everything yeah. I said. So did I. It's like, oh, great. Now we got the fucking love triangles <laughs> trying to triangulate. This is bullshit, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so now we're gonna have nate fucking jewel and cassie <laughs> i don't know i don't know we didn't see elliot this episode which i thought was found a little interesting yeah there was yeah, that voiceover yeah uh, we got Rue redirection by rue which was yeah. the first time she's ever shown some agency and how how she's yeah. telling the story but then the voiceover kind of disappeared for like the last 20 minutes i want to say mm -hmm. but yeah she was like I don't want to talk about Jewel right now. Let's go yeah. back to yeah. Maddie. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck them. And, you know, I was thinking about her saying that it's not because of the sexual relationship. It's because of them snitching about the whole drugs and everything. It's, mm -hmm. it's really all about yeah. drugs and nothing mm -hmm. else. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so they sat in the car, uh, Jewel brought up, a box cutter. <laughs> wait, wait. I'm sorry. I like how we're all calling her Jewel. Now, yeah, it's I mean, Maze has got us on it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, she brought the box cutter just in case shit got tricky, which you never know with Nate. Yeah, he gave her the disc. I guess feels like 
he absolved himself of some sin. I don't know. It, it definitely felt like a confessional, like to me, that was what the scene reminded me of. It reminded me of somebody going into a confessional and confessing their sins to, to a priest. Uh, mm. Because, you know, she, she had the line of like, oh, so you're turned into some good person now? And he's like, absolutely not. No. <laughs> so it's no. like, <laughs> I've seen the script for next week. I'm definitely not a good person. Yeah. And so it's like the kind of the first time that he's being honest with any other human being. You know, he had a conversation with his mom. He was not honest about his anger and who he is and what he's about. But with Jewel, he was kind of like as upfront as he's been with anybody. And it's been like that since season one. He's yeah. always been completely transparent with her and his desires or whatever and how he feels about her. But he's always going to be honest. Like, yeah, I'm I'm still out here doing some some tough shit out here and treat people crazy. Like he literally went from, you know, this whole conversation with his mom and just one by one went to like every person that he had some sort of connection with and ended, ended everything with Cassie. It was like in one day, this is like how you just rip through the city. <laughs> Wasted off of brown liquor. <laughs> going to go on a tour of seeing all the people in your life. But I think I think Jason was spot on. I think it was narratively convenient to get these two talking together for the first time this season. But I also think, and this is the part that just doesn't make any sense, it's just leaving the disc out there so that it can possibly come back to cause more drama in the future, right? Now Jewel's got it. She's watching it. Right. Checking out her own technique. Maybe. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. But <laughs> now it's like, if Jewel wants to use that as ammunition, she's got it. She got a chamber. So I was going to uh, remark on the fact that I think a couple of my favorite lines in this show were in this episode. Um, one of them was oddly uttered by Nate. <laughs> but when he was there in Maddie's room, he says, don't worry, I'm not here to apologize. <laughs> it's like, all right, that's pretty good. Um, but the other two were by Ali and... Uh, well, actually, no, no, sorry. The the first one was by Rue when she's going through her withdrawals. She's like lying in the bed. Gia's there. She's crying. We get, Of course, we get our uh, Gia crying moment. The episode wouldn't be <laughs> right without it. That's um, right. But she, <laughs> she said, uh, reducing someone's life to a moment, an ugly moment, and punishing them for it, you know, which I just thought like kind of encapsulated like a lot of like, you know, people's lives and people's experiences with you know, friends and loved ones and things like that, that often happens. Yeah. And then, yeah, my favorite line was the one from Ali. And I don't know if this is something that's like an NA or AA line, but he said, the hour is certain to come, so we must forgive graciously. Yeah, I thought that was kind of a religious overtone. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure. I, it felt like it was from somewhere else, but this, uh, I thought it was just perfectly kind of placed in there. Yeah, uh, it was. Yeah. yeah. So, and yeah. In, this episode ended with, just a big heartbreak. You know, we got Rue and Gia in bed and Mama Leslie is just begging for her daughter to just be treated, just mm -hmm. to be seen, to be, you know, like she's begging for her life. She's like, my daughter's going to kill herself. But at the same time, you know, she's being, you know, denied with, you know, the opportunity to go to rehab and get clean. Yeah. But before we got there, we had a nice quaint dinner scene, you know? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. uh, you know, that was like, <laughs> That was a nice moment. You know, it brought to back to mind kind of what I was thinking about before the episode started and kind of where we left off the last episode is what's going to happen with the Lori situation. Because he asked 
I think it was Ollie that asked, like, does she think that she hit rock bottom? Um, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, at the, at the dinner table. At the dinner table. And she didn't say yes or no. And my thought was rock bottom might involve the situation that she currently has hanging over her head with the money and the drugs. You know, so she might have possibly reached a bottom, but if she has to engage herself with Lori to handle this situation, there may be a deeper bottom, you know, that involves the needles or the, you know, the sex slavery and stuff like that. So, you know, she seemed very chipper and kind of like happy to be in this moment and not worried about it, but I'm worried about it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Lori's not going anywhere. She's yeah. still out there. I mean, I thought this episode did a better job than last week's episode, just from the Rue perspective and the family perspective of what it's like to have an addict that's close to you and to be privy to what they have to go through. I thought that it was way more realistic this time around. Obviously, last week was so sensational. So I enjoyed all of that element. And now it seems like we might be getting into a little bit of the system is broken. Yeah. And it's a it's beyond just a personal interpersonal thing. It's like a system wide problem. And so I wonder if they'll develop that more. Yeah. It, it was just so heartbreaking because the conversation that Gia and Rue had, you know, when she's like, you know, I feel like I don't know much about your life. And she's like, I'll tell you when you get out. And it's like, is she going to have the opportunity to mm. go in and, and, and do this and be able to repair her relationships with her friends and family? It's, it's so many levels of, of hurt in this episode. Yeah. And I, I really, really feel for Leslie. But I was thinking, you know, I, I've had this thing where I'm like, you know, what about, you know, Leslie and Ali? And I thought it was really interesting how Leslie like put herself together for dinner just to be mm. kind of like dismissed. And mm. at the same time, you know, she's kind of looking at Ali for like backup in a way. And you can tell that she misses having a partner. She misses having a male figure come in and kind of like run the shit. Cause Ali really pulled up and was like, I got this. You go here, you two get out of here. I got this. And he really controlled the conversation and gave people moments to really express themselves and and be honest in those moments. But I, I thought it was really interesting when Leslie, when Ali, I forgot what he asked like about the whole rock bottom. I think she said, yes. Did she reply yes? But And Rue didn't say anything? Yes, that's what happened. Yes, she yeah. said yes, and Rue, Rue never re- responded. Uh, well, she did respond, but she didn't respond with the yes or no. Right. Uh, that was, yeah, that was an interesting little moment, and they didn't really play it like, oh, pay attention to this. It was kind of right. just, you know. Oh, I peeped, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm interested to see, you know, is Ali going to be a welcome member in the house going forward? You know, is this... So, you know like, he is. <laughs> now that the door has been open. <laughs> so, you know. Is he moving into the kitchen full time? Is that what you're asking? Yes, Ali's yeah, kitchen. Take our okay. Yeah, change the name. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, it's, I, I like where their family dynamic is headed. Obviously, we like to see Rue in recovery. And we would love to see what type of person is she when she's not in this 
state of yeah, in this in the state of mind, this drug stupid. Yeah. yeah, like what what it, what type of person is she when she's sober for three, six months, a year? You know, I would love to oh, see that. Love to <laughs> so see that. Do you think that they'll find a way out of this Lori situation and get her into rehab by the end of the season, and then maybe use the mid-season break as a as a time lapse? Or do you think that she's not going to make it to rehab? I don't think she's going to make it. I don't know what's happening because we see in next week's preview that she's at the play. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, so what's what's going on from the moment they, you know, are having the dinner and the conversation about, you know, not being able to go to rehab to Lexi's play. Mm-hmm. Is she just having to tough it out? Is she going back to school? Like what, what is happening? But, you know, I guess we yeah, just gotta she wait and see. barely opened a Jolly Rancher this episode. She's going to go back to school. She's not ready. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And it'll be interesting to see like, what Elliot's presence will be going forward, his dynamic with her and Jewel. Yeah, that's what's next, right? Because yeah. it was all family stuff this time. She didn't have to she didn't have to apologize to Jewel or to Elliot this episode, just to Ali. So one step at a time, I guess. And one day at a time. We'll eventually boil over Ooh. in the kitchen. I like that. Not checking all your temperatures in your pots for Bethany Anderson, Jason Madison, I'm Anthony Mason. We'll see you next time.